I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. If you believe they put a man on the moon. Come on, man. You know the thing. It's high noon for Thursday, July 22nd, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also find me on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator and the merch site is www.cancelcotour.com. If you're having trouble with your browser, just type in shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. Today is the 183rd day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist dummy fake proxy president Joe Biden, who was overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. That's Hunter Biden. So congratulations, commies. You convinced yourselves that voting for this decrepit fool would be a return to normal. But we can all see now that the normal you were talking about was the one where you didn't have to do anything and you could still feel self-righteous just by having the media tell everyone every day how good and how right and how moral you are. Well, how's that working out? How normal is it? That the man you told people should be the leader of the free world can't think in complete sentences. Joe Biden is a national disgrace. And I'll repeat from yesterday, voting for a man who is so mentally unfit for even simple tasks is a grievous moral error. If you watched the town hall last night and started realizing that, well, perhaps it's time you considered migrating back to America. And with that, I would like to extend a warm Thursday high noon welcome to all of the redeemable communists out there. Hello, commies. Maybe you were searching on a non-Google search engine for the antidote to Joe Biden's mental breakdown and this podcast popped up. If that's how you got here, then maybe the algorithm is more beneficent than we originally thought. But I hope you'll stick around, even though it will occasionally feel like I'm saying something mean about something or someone you care about. Well, here's the thing, Kami. You don't really care. And you know it. Which is why all of us would appreciate it if you'd stop pretending you do. See, you all pretending you care is what keeps this whole cycle of madness going. If you just admitted you didn't care 
and you allowed everyone else who actually does to supply the information instead of you all just regurgitating whatever makes you sound right, we'd probably have a much more productive public conversation going on. And then we wouldn't have people like Joe Biden pretending to be president. And the craziest part is you knew that Joe Biden was this person when you voted for him. Now, you might have been ignorant enough not to realize that Joe Biden was mentored by a Klansman who, for some unexplained reason, he mentioned last night at his town hall. He actually said that Robert Byrd and some of the others, I think it was uh, Strom Thurmond and and one of the other like former genuine racists were very, very, very conservative about race. Robert Byrd was Joe Biden's political mentor. Robert Byrd was a grand legal and exalted cyclops of the KKK. Joe Biden spent nearly four decades by his side. And Robert Byrd was a Democrat, just like the KKK were Democrats. And Democrats are the ones who preside over all of the areas with the black and brown people in cities where people are subjected to horrible living conditions. Their votes are regularly stolen. Drugs and crime and violence infect their communities, and the Democrats presiding over them do absolutely nothing about it. So it's possible that you were ignorant about all that stuff, considering How many other things you are ignorant about? Sorry, commies. It is what it is. But you knew that he was broken mentally. You could watch that and see it with your own eyes almost any day. All you have to do is pay the slightest amount of attention. And I know you didn't. I know that's expecting too much. And I know that Joe Biden basically spent the entire campaign in his basement, specifically so that people would not realize that he can't successfully think in complete sentences. But for the most part, you knew that. And you said, well, yeah, I mean, it's okay. Donald Trump is so bad. I I couldn't vote for him. And Joe Biden will probably just die in office. And then Kamala Harris will take over. And Kamala Harris is a rising star. She's a rising star of the Democratic Party. I've heard that. I heard it on CNN. I heard it on MSNBC. Plus, She's a woman of color and a woman of color. Gosh, it would be so great if a woman of color could lead the country. Finally, finally, we need we need a woman of color to do our bidding. Wait, what's that, commie? You need a woman of color to do your bidding? Huh? Are you as enthused about politicians of color when they're not agreeing with you? Oh, no, 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 you're not, are you? You call all of them Uncle Tom's, got it. So you do just want them to do your bidding. Is that what you're saying? People of color, people of color, definitely not colored people, people of color are totally acceptable as long as they're doing your bidding. Got it, commie. For a second there, I thought maybe you sounded like a hypocrite. But that was actually the logic. It's okay if Joe Biden dies in office. It's okay if he's removed with the 25th Amendment doesn't matter, really. The only priority is making sure Trump is out. 
And if Kamala gets to be president, well, I guess it'll probably be fine. I mean, what does a president do anyway? Like, I just want to be able to, like, go on vacation and not have to think about unvaccinated people or people who support the very violent insurrection. Oh, you mean like in 2019 when Trump was president and everything was fine and we didn't actually have the coronavirus that was released from a lab in China and then exploited by the Democrat Communist Party and the Uniparty and the Global Communists and the Davos people to get Trump out of office and push on with the great global reset that they have accelerated to the sort of speed that becomes obvious and almost embarrassing because the plan is so blatant. It's so out there. It's so ready for anyone to see if only you have enough brain cells to think about it. But keep in mind, Kami, you actually set this all in motion. You voted for that old racist pervert. And you said it was okay that he was demented because you figured, oh, no big deal. We'll just move him out. We'll put Kamala in. Everything will be just fine. Everything will be just fine. You actually thought that that was the plan. Some of you actually went as far as admitting, yeah, no, I'm voting for Joe Biden, hoping that he'll die in office so that Kamala can take over because that's who I wanted anyway. Well, 64% of the country does not think that Kamala Harris is prepared to be president and 99.5% of the country does not like Kamala Harris at all. Kamala Harris had to drop out in the primary before receiving a single delegate. Kamala Harris is one of the most unpopular politicians in our lifetimes that has attempted to achieve what she has, you know, quote unquote, achieved. Who's less popular than Kamala Harris? It's funny that co- communists would be like, Donald Trump, everybody hates him. Yeah? Okay, commie, go with that. Donald Trump is probably the most popular politician in any of our lifetimes. He's probably one of the most popular politicians in American history. And we're going to find that out, aren't we? Yes, we are. That's what you're really scared about, isn't it, Kami? What happens when you realize that Donald Trump won the presidential election by 10 million or 20 million or 30 million votes? What happens then, Kami? How are you going to piece it all back together at that point? That's not going to work too well, is it? And Let's go ahead and just make sure we're both on the same page about who you actually voted for. You got the vaccination? Yeah. Are you, are you okay? I mean, you seem, no, it works. Or, you, you know, or, 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 or the mom and dad or, 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 or the neighbor or when you go to church or when you're, no, I, I, I really mean it. There are trusted interlocutors. Think of the people, if, if your kid wanted to find out whether or not there were, there's a man on the moon or whatever, you know, something, or, you know, whether those aliens are here or not. You know, who are the people they talk to beyond the kids who love talking about it? That was Joe Biden's answer to the question, how do you change the mistrust in the system among some members of the black community? 
black with a capital B, by the way, on CNN's Chiron, because apparently we're still doing that. What was that? What was that? He was just saying, I don't even know what he was trying to say. And one of the real tells that you can just beyond a shadow of a doubt, see that CNN is part of a propaganda effort in favor of the Democrat Communist Party. They are wholly bought in to supporting this illegitimate regime. Don Lemon spent the evening pretending he knew what Joe Biden was saying the whole time and trying to consistently steer him back on course. What was that he was just saying? Or, 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 I, 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 I. Aliens? A man on the moon? Trusted interlocutors? Honestly, what was that? That's not even scratching the surface of last night. And I'm going to play some more clips. But what in the world was that? That guy, we're told, has the strength to go head to head with Vladimir Putin. Of course, you know, we weren't allowed to see a press conference with the two of them because of COVID or something. So who knows, really? He called Xi Jinping tough and bright last night. We're told that Joe Biden can go head to head with that adversary. That Joe Biden, that Joe Biden right there. Joe Biden knows these questions before he gets them. Okay, we went through these town halls last fall during the campaign on the Trump side and the Biden side. And people did the research about who the people in the audience were who were asking these questions, whether they were actually Republicans when we were told they are. CNN stages this stuff on behalf of the illegitimate regime. They tried to make it look like the room was packed last night. There are pictures from the back of the audience showing a venue that could have probably held, I don't know, 800 people, 1,000 people. It was a third full. They packed everybody into the front. It's funny because they used to say that they would only fill up a third of the audience for COVID. Of course, if last night was for COVID, why weren't they socially distanced with masks on? So it wasn't for COVID. It was just that that's all the people they could find that actually wanted to attend that thing. Because why would anyone Go out to see Joe Biden talk. You know how big a commie you have to be to want to go see that? I think they actively avoid making any real contact with what this illegitimate regime really is. They don't want to see Biden on television. They'll watch little clips on the news. That's fine. They don't want to have to watch him for a half an hour because that entire time they will be like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He's going to fall apart right now, isn't he? Like they sit there in fear. That's genuine nervousness and panic every time one of the commies actually gets forced to watch this stuff, which is why they don't watch his speeches on YouTube. They don't watch these appearances. They don't watch any of it. 
it's difficult for them to watch because they have to actually face the fact that they went out and voted for this and they tried to convince other people to vote for this. And that's a disgrace because Joe Biden is a disgrace. This is a threat to national security. Obviously, Joe Biden is a threat to national security in countless ways. Not least among those is the fact that he's overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party and the rest of our adversaries in the world. But this mental condition is unavoidable. Okay, leaders from other countries watching this happen. You think that they are going to respect the United States in negotiations? They can get whatever they want out of this fool. Joe Biden's done. Okay, yeah, he might still be alive. But not mentally. Mentally, it is completely over. You're telling me that guy has decision-making power? You're telling me he's coming up with the ideas on how to fix America? That guy? Joe Biden is on the Build Back Better agenda, okay? He advertises the fact that he's not coming up with an American agenda. He is literally there only to have been the sort of person that the American public, or at least the commies and the fake centrist commies, would reasonably believe could beat Donald Trump. Everyone else they thought was so bad. And, of course, they owed Joe Biden. And Joe Biden probably has them all compromised. And think about this. That may well be why Hunter Biden's laptop ended up being left at that computer store. Maybe they thought they could keep that under wraps forever. They could put that out there. Let all Joe Biden's competition know that it exists and that they're all compromised. You better put Joe Biden in here or else you're all going down. I don't know that's what happened. I'm speculating. I'm telling you that. But think about the mechanics of that laptop getting to that store and then being left there. Yeah, it's easy to say, okay, Hunter's a degenerate. He's a drug addict. Really? Is that all? We know the FBI picked it up in December of 2019. That was during the primary process. Imagine proudly standing up and being like, yeah, this is the best we got. <laughs> this guy's going to take down the dragon. Nah, he didn't. Shocker. It will be so, so satisfying once the country actually knows that Joe Biden lost by tens of millions of votes. That will be just a wonderful day. Let's listen to more Joe Biden. That's underway, just like the other question that's illogical. And I've heard you speak about it because you always, I'm not being solicitous, but you, you're always straight up about what you're doing. Yeah. And the question is whether or not we should be in a position where you uh, um, are. Why can't the 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 experts say we know that this virus is, in fact, uh, um, uh, it, it, it's going to be 
Uh, or excuse me, we, we, we know why all the drugs approved are not temporarily approved, but permanently approved. Yeah. That's underway, too. I expect that to occur quickly. Well, that means you mean for the FDA? For the FDA. Yeah. Well, at least this time we can detect what he was attempting to communicate. And of course, Don Lemon was just stood there being like, yeah, yeah. Oh, you mean the FDA saving him? That's pathetic. But right there, Joe Biden was just saying, I think, (laughs) that the FDA will soon approve the COVID vaccines fully. And that would allow them to try to make them mandatory, to actually force people to take it. That's what they're going for. Again, we know these FDA trials shouldn't and aren't supposed to be completed until early 2023, at least. But he's trying to get them signed off on immediately so that they're not out there on an emergency use authorization as they are now. And that should be concerning to everyone. It's also very, very strange that Joe Biden, a complete and total invalid, is out there revealing the schedule of the FDA, and he does it with the CDC as well. Let's check that out. Over the age of, under the age of 12 should probably be wearing a mask in school. That's probably what's going to happen. Secondly, those over the age of 12 who are able to get vaccinated, if you're vaccinated, you shouldn't wear a mask. If you aren't vaccinated, you should be wearing a mask. So it's going to get a little bit tight in terms of, well, our mom or dad being honest that, you know, Johnny did or did not get vaccinated. That's going to raise questions. But I think what's going to happen is you're going to see this work out in ways that people are going to know in the community. Everybody knows in the community whether or not Johnny really did get the vaccination when he's 15 or 17 years old. And so it's going to I think it's it's a matter of community responsibility And I think you're going to see it work through. Well, let me ask you to get all that. There's a few different issues in there that Joe Biden just kind of mumbled through. But even though he's not having these thoughts spontaneously and they're not his thoughts, it still does matter that he's saying them. Okay, so the first thing there is that he is saying that the CDC is going to recommend masking for all kids under 12 when they go back to school. And then over 12, of course, they're going to be expected to be vaccinated or masked. So one way or another, he's going to torture and control the children of this country. That's the key point there. He also knows that the CDC is going to do this, which means the CDC will not be making decisions based on any science. Okay, and of course, there is no science that supports masking. It doesn't matter how many times they repeat it, and it doesn't matter who might say they agree with it at some point. Like Dr. Mark Siegel, who is sometimes on Tucker Carlson's show, I saw him the other day recommending masking. Okay, well, then you must not be a doctor. How do you actually get that far? Okay, so you are clearly just repeating the slogans to everyone if you're saying that. So fine. I know the message comes from, quote unquote, both sides, but the message really comes from both sides of the central narrative. Okay, it comes from both sides, as we're told, of the uniparty. 
All right. There is no actual right and left. There are no two sides. It's just one party using one state media to market to people with differing political beliefs out in the public. Both of them, both of the groups represented by those beliefs, their number one thing is not attention or care or knowledge about these issues. They have their little beliefs. And so they market to them in different ways, but they're still keeping them directly in touch with the central narrative, which is what guys like Mark Siegel exist for. Yeah, you know, there's a little controversy about this, but the truth is the main story is largely correct. No, the main story is exactly the problem. But what else did Biden say? He said that they're going to need some sort of way to know if little Johnny actually did get vaccinated because there's no way that they can simply trust the parents to tell the truth. He just said that. He said they're concerned about needing verification that that kid was vaccinated so that kid can go to school. Got it? That's what they're doing. They are holding your child's education as ransom for getting you to accept the vaccine and then accept the vaccine ID for your child, right? They're not making it work with businesses. They're going to mandate it for your child to go to school. And if your child can't go to school, well, that means that someone's going to have to be home with your child. And that might make it so that you can't work. And that might mean that you have to sacrifice your family's economic outlook. But that's okay, because you got to stop the very scary variant, even though it absolutely cannot kill your child. That is what the fake president is telling you. But it gets even worse than that, because the last part of that clip of rambling nonsense was Joe Biden encouraging the local community to out the people whose child didn't really get vaccinated. It's not good enough that the parent says the child got vaccinated. We need to know for sure. And the way we're going to know for sure is by having the community rat them out. That's what he's going after. Have you ever heard about anything like that happening before? Yeah, you have. Where? Oh, Nazi Germany and communist China. Pretty cool, huh? Nice vote, commies. So it seems to me that last night was an unmitigated disaster for the Joe Biden is competent narrative, which makes me question why they would have done this. I mean, maybe Biden just wanted to do this. Maybe it's possible that he has these ideas and the people on his staff actually let him do this stuff. Maybe it's Jill pushing it. I don't know. Or, hey, maybe it's Kamala or someone else trying to push this decrepit moron into the national spotlight because it will speed her ascension through the 25th Amendment. There are a lot of options. And I'm not saying any of those are right, by the way, just thinking about possibilities. But otherwise, how can they continue putting a spotlight on this dementia. It could be that they thought this would be a good opportunity to push their vaccine narrative. Although if that's the case, 
I don't know how this could have actually helped. It could just be a big fail. Jack Posobiec tweeted last night while the town hall was going that his sources in the West Wing tell him that they all turned the thing off. They couldn't watch it anymore. If that's true, (laughs) that's real bad. Because this stuff is embarrassing. And, you know, maybe... The commies would be like, yeah, well, Donald Trump went out and was embarrassing on television all the time. Okay, commie, I guess if you want to listen to CNN and MSNBC and Fox, maybe there were people in the administration who were embarrassed by Donald Trump. If that's the case, first off, they're part of the Uniparty. They're part of the party of false decorum. But the real point is that Donald Trump was not embarrassing his base. When the media would report about how the things Donald Trump was saying were lies. None of us who were actually paying attention would ever agree with that because we knew the information before he said it and we knew he wasn't lying. What he was saying could actually be backed up by real science and real data and real knowledge about the narratives not supplied by the mainstream media. Joe Biden is embarrassing everyone who supports him. I mean, all of us, of course, look at performances like that and think, oh, wow, that is extremely embarrassing. But you're not going to even find Democrats who are going to defend that. Yes, you'll find media propagandists doing it. Of course, that's their job. They're not going to stop doing that no matter how bad it gets for Joe Biden. But any normal commie who voted for Joe Biden would watch that and be like, good Lord, what have I done? And it seems like more and more of them are having that thought. There were some interesting Rasmussen polls released yesterday. Uh, It turns out two thirds of Americans want Congress to investigate the 2020 riots. And that's the uh, headline from yesterday in Rasmussen. Uh, Now that House Democrats have created a committee to investigate the January 6th Capitol riot, most voters believe Congress should also investigate the Black Lives Matter protests that sparked violence in major cities last year. A new national telephone and online survey by the National Police Association and Rasmussen Reports finds that 66% of likely U.S. voters think Congress should investigate last year's violent protests in which more than 2,000 police officers suffered injuries in the line of duty. 21% don't think Congress should investigate last year's protests, and 13% were not sure. The survey found strong support for law enforcement on issues ranging from display of the thin blue line flag to prosecution of so-called quality of life crimes. And that's 17 points higher than the number of people who want Congress to investigate January 6th. Only 49% support that. 42% don't support any January 6th investigation. That's a big number of people who do not believe that story at all. You know, within that 49%, you can imagine that some people want the investigation so that they can prove that January 6th is utter bullshit. 42% don't want any investigation at all. They're just like, yeah, we know. And I'm going to skip around in this article a little bit, 
Majorities of every racial group and political affiliation support a congressional investigation of last year's violent protests. 67% of whites, 64% of black voters, 66% of Hispanics, and 62% of other minorities think Congress should investigate the 2020 riots in U.S. cities. 75% of Republicans, 60% of Democrats, and 63% of voters not affiliated with either, either major party say Congress should investigate last year's protests. That's Pretty incredible, considering that the media still pretends that all of that stuff last year was very peaceful and that voters believe them. Voters don't believe the mainstream media. This is yet another poll showing that claim to be true. Here are some other stats from the poll. 65% believe Fake President Joe Biden and fake Vice President Kamala Harris should meet with the family of St. Louis police captain David Dorn, who was murdered in 2020 when he was protecting his friend's business from looters, just as they did with the family of George Floyd. They're not going to do that, of course, because then they would have to actually admit that the very peaceful rioters killed a retired black police officer in cold blood who was just trying to defend his friend's store from those rioters. 63% of those polled think that participants in the nationwide 2020 rioting and looting should be criminally charged. 65% disagree with Black Lives Matter activists who claim that the U.S. flag and the pro-police thin blue line flag are symbols of racism. 53% think Congress should award medals to the law enforcement agencies that defended their cities from violent looters and rioters in 2020, similar to the awards proposed by Nancy Pelosi for the Capitol Police. 62% of voters believe that elected officials who downplay the nationwide 2020 rioting and looting deserve to be criticized, a number higher than the 51% who believe politicians deserve criticism for downplaying the January 6th riot. 68% think that refusing to prosecute trespassing, shoplifting, disorderly conduct, disturbing the peace, receiving stolen property, breaking and entering, resisting arrest, and other quality of life crimes is likely to increase the commission of those crimes. And of course, what could be more obvious? Imagine being part of that 32% who think that not prosecuting obvious crime will not lead to more crime. That's how crazy these people are. They really believe the narratives that the left tries spinning. And remember, there were plenty of people on the mainstream media last year defending theft as necessary and good that those people were just out there collecting their own reparations. So how can we prosecute them? These people who they assume, I guess, are all black and brown. I should say these criminals who they all assume are black and brown are just collecting reparations when they rob a Best Buy or a Walgreens or a Target. Target happened to be the target of so many violent looters and rioters. They've become their own pun. An overwhelming 76% of voters believe young people should be taught to comply with police rather than resist or flee arrest. How in the world could you be part of the other 24%? That's basically just woke liberals who are completely addicted to the central narrative. Who else could that 24% be? Responsible black parents 
don't tell their kids that they don't need to respect the police. That would be insane, especially if you're the kind of person that believes police are racist and might kill you for not complying. But stunningly, there really are people out there who hold both those thoughts in their head. Police are racist and will kill you, but also you shouldn't be taught to comply with police. You should be taught to hashtag resist. And here's this belief that failure to prosecute quality of life crimes increases the level of crime shows strong majorities in all racial groups, including 59% of black voters, 70% of Hispanics and across political categories with 77% of Republicans, 60% of Democrats and 65% of unaffiliated voters agreeing. So once again, we can see one of the mainstream narratives about race totally falling apart. There is no majority opinion behind the narratives that the communists are pushing on us. Okay. They don't believe it's racist to prosecute crimes. Just like 80% plus of black voters don't think the police should be defunded. And 80% of black voters have no problem with voter ID. They support voter ID. That's not what we're being told. So once again, we have this power structure in the uniparty telling us what's good for black people and what black people want, even though black people say they don't want it. What could be more patronizing and racist and insulting than thinking that you know best for those black and brown people even more than they do. But the real thing to take from all this is the understanding that we are absolutely the majority. Okay. There is not majority support among the people for almost anything in the fake regime's repertoire. None of their agenda is supported by the American people, which is just another indication toward their illegitimacy. And that is the reason why I'm confident that when it becomes absolute irrefutable standard public knowledge that Joe Biden did not win the 2020 election, the country is not just going to sit there and wait and pretend it didn't happen or pretend there's nothing we can do about it. It's not going to go down like that. And we're only now two and a half weeks from the cyber symposium. And Mike Lindell was out on War Room yesterday. I forgot to mention this, but he has now put up five million dollars of his own money to say to any qualified cyber expert, if you can come in and refute my data and show that somehow my data is not what I say it is. You get $5 million. What kind of cyber expert would not want to go take their shot at that? They're just going to pretend that the thing's not happening because they're commies. People are going to go to that. You should want to win $5 million or you should want to see your country restored. It's really a win-win for a cyber expert out there. And it is an extremely strong indication that Mike Lindell knows exactly what he has 
and that what he has is irrefutable. And I've mentioned before that I have someone close to this situation who has confirmed all of this for me. I am not even worried at all about Lindell not having what he says he has. He has it. There's no doubt. And that was only hammered home over the weekend when Dr. Frank said that they've been monitoring elections since then and collecting PCAP data from those elections. He's going to be able to show the pattern. He's going to be able to show the cheating. And of course, Dr. Frank also said they have whistleblowers. Does anyone really think that Mike Lindell's been having this data analyzed for six months now? And throughout all that time, what, everybody's just been lying to him or tricking him to the point where he'll put out $5 million of his own money and be wrong? Come on. Come on, man. Now, I want to change subjects and speculate a bit about a couple of strange occurrences in the last 24 hours. I mentioned this yesterday briefly that Kevin McCarthy referred to Nancy Pelosi as a lame duck speaker. Now, I said like, wow, that's very confident. It's amazing trolling. He's going right after her. I love it. And I do. What I'm interested in, though, is that saying she's a lame duck speaker because of the 2022 elections. Yes, it's great that he's that confident. I think that Democrats will not win anywhere. And I think that that is a semi standard view among people who understand anything about politics. I imagine there's even a lot of Democrats out there who by this point understand that they are absolutely screwed next year. But. Man, I don't know if that's the only thing he was saying. Okay, he's been meeting with Trump semi-regularly. He obviously understands that Trump is still the leader of the party. Trump is a shoe-in to be the candidate in 2024 if somehow this takes that long to play out, which I've said a thousand times, I do not believe it will. And he also knows that Trump is not stopping in his pursuit of truth about November 3rd. He also is at least aware of Mike Lindell saying he has all this data and saying that all this data will be shown. Okay, at that point, if things go down the way I expect them to and the way obviously I want them to, then Nancy Pelosi's lame duck status that Finish line for Nancy Pelosi, that gets pushed way up, okay? Because we know for a fact that this election fraud is what allowed Democrats to maintain their fake majority in the House and their fake majority in the Senate, or at least their Senate tie that gets broken by Kamala Harris. That stuff's going to go up in smoke immediately. So how does Nancy Pelosi have any power left at that point? This whole January 6th investigation is just a narrative smokescreen. They're going to try to have some witnesses out there say some really extreme and inflammatory things, hoping that the media will cover it. They'll get a couple of days of winning the narrative. And that'll be enough to distract people 
from the election fraud stories that I think we're going to begin seeing pretty regularly. So I'm wondering if there's something more to Kevin McCarthy's comments. And then the other thing I wanted to talk about is that Ron DeSantis gave a six and a half minute long dissertation on the vaccines yesterday at some press conference. And then Chuck Grassley also tweeted out his support for people getting vaccinated and Kaylee McEnany kind of alluded to the same thing on TV today. Right. So these are three people who are fairly well trusted by people on our side, and they are saying something that most of our side does not believe and does not agree with. And I'm trying to figure out why they're doing that. And, you know, you can say you're just making excuses for them. That's totally possible. It might turn out that you're right about that. But I do at least want to explore the reasons why they would be out there saying this stuff. You know, there was a short clip of DeSantis going around yesterday that was about two and a half minutes long. But as I said, the whole speech, this whole segment of the speech was about six and a half minutes long. So people are missing the larger context. And I watched it and, you know, I don't like hearing anyone pushing the vaccines. I think it's fine to be like, hey, if you want it, go ahead and try it. But he went a little beyond that, and he quoted a bunch of statistics that are being spread around out there right now about how most of the cases are from the unvaccinated. And I explained a bunch of that a few days ago, but that also most of the hospitalizations and the deaths are from the unvaccinated as well. And the thing is, none of those stats actually match up with what we're seeing in the rest of the world. Like in Israel, I think it's like 84 percent of the people going in are actually vaccinated. That has Israel has one of the highest vaccination rates in the world because they had some of the most extreme coercive measures in place to get people to vaccinate. Likewise, the UK has pretty extreme coercive measures to vaccinate, at least more extreme than those in non-commie American states. And they have a large percentage of people in the hospital and with cases who are vaccinated and fully vaccinated. One of their health directors the other day, uh, Valance, I think is his name. He initially said that 60 percent were from the vaccinated, the fully vaccinated. And then he wound that back on Twitter later in the day and said it was actually the wrong way around. Only 40 percent were from the vaccinated. But both of those numbers are really high. And if you hear how confidently he reported the statistic the first time of the 60 percent, were from the vaccinated. He kind of repeated it a few times and analyzed that statistic in real time. It sounded like that was what he believed. Regardless, even if he was correct that it's only 40%, which is what he revised to, that's still a hell of a lot of people, especially in comparison to what we're being told in America, that it's like 97% are unvaccinated. We know the CDC changed their testing measures for the vaccinated. There is no reason to believe that the United States has this dramatic outlier when we can see the experience of those in other countries. So the push to vaccinate from people we believe to be on our side does seem a little strange. All right. And so I have a few thoughts about that, and I can't say that they will be satisfactory to 
a lot of the people listening. But again, I'm just trying to make sense of it all. Okay, so it's possible that someone like Ron DeSantis or someone like Chuck Grassley or Kaylee McEnany might not have all of the information. You know, not everyone that we believe is on our side spends the day researching all this stuff the way we do. That you can be sure of. And to whatever extent there's coordinated action or a strategy or a plan, we can't expect each and every person who's on our side to know what all of that is, right? It is entirely possible that plenty of people on our side are getting information the same way the normal population gets information. I would expect better from Grassley and DeSantis in particular, but we can't be sure that they're all going to go through and look at all, all this stuff. DeSantis could be getting briefed on this stuff. He could be getting statistics from the CDC saying, hey, this is really what it is. And if he goes out and repeats that, then the rest of his position could legitimately follow from the data that he's accessing. DeSantis didn't lock down in any hard way, and he was the first in the country to alleviate all the restrictions and fake mitigation techniques, and he did that on September 25th of last year. That's 10 months ago, all right? He's been ahead of the game the whole time. So I don't like the approach he took yesterday, but he didn't actually tell anyone that they needed to get vaccinated. And he didn't make the argument that they had to morally to save everyone else who's already vaccinated, but apparently no better protected than they were prior. So I don't know if he got pressured into saying something that we don't like, or if he just has a different position based on different information. I also think there might be something to the idea that they are trying to remove this Democrat talking point. In Jen Psaki's press conference on Monday or Tuesday, she was asked about why Trump's supporters were so vaccine hesitant or anti-vax and whether it would help if the fake Biden regime actually tried to do more outreach to Donald Trump himself and to Donald Trump's supporters in getting them to take the vaccine rather than continuing to push these ridiculous narratives. She didn't say that, obviously, or rather than implying that mandates would come down and that more coercive actions would be taken. And of course, Jen Psaki didn't really answer the question and answered with whatever her narrative was going to be regardless. So it's hard to say exactly what they were doing, but Mitch McConnell also made a statement about vaccines yesterday. And obviously who cares what Mitch McConnell says, except in how it fits into the narrative. There may be some pressure campaign from the pharma companies on these public figures. That's possible. And it may be that in some way these people are somehow captured. We don't know. But here's another thing. 
So a few weeks ago, Code Monkey Z, Ron Watkins, was posting information about Miles Guo after the release of Getter, because Miles Guo is a primary investor in Getter. And what he put out there was some statements from Miles Guo in favor of the CCP. And we know that these statements are a bit old and that Guo's turn against the CCP has happened more recently than that. You know, it's a tactic for the CCP to force statements like that so that these people will always be doubted in the future. That's not anything unusual. And that, to me, is an acceptable part of the explanation. And then I talked on here about his relationship with Steve Bannon. I'm not going to throw out everything that I believed about Miles Guo prior because with doing that, I would have to throw out Steve Bannon and the War Room contingent. And those people have been leaders throughout this entire period in terms of election fraud and in terms of disputing the COVID narrative. You can't just give that up. If you're going to give up every single figure in the movement and every single leader every time they stray from exactly what we want them to say, we're going to be left with no one to rely on. And there's a lot of black pillars out there that do exactly that. Donald Trump, not good enough. DeSantis, not good enough. Grassley, not good enough. Bannon, Miles Guo, not good enough. So today, Code Monkey Z was posting some information about Michael Flynn and his financial disclosures from 2017, showing that he had relations with certain companies, particularly one called OSY, that has an involvement in the Pegasus story. And a lot of people began freaking out immediately. Oh, my God, is Michael Flynn actually a black hat? It's like, what? Michael Flynn is now suspect? I don't think so at all, okay? But I'm also not upset that Code Monkey Z puts this information out. It's always better to have more information. Imagine, for instance, that the mainstream media came out with some anti-Flynn narrative and they were preparing to release this exact information to hammer that narrative home because they wanted us to disavow Michael Flynn or to think that Michael Flynn's motives are suspect. That would be a good strategy for them. They don't need to discredit Michael Flynn in front of the commies, they already think Michael Flynn is some crazy QAnon conspiracy theorist who's trying to stage a coup against their very legitimately elected government. The goal would be to make us disavow Michael Flynn. And the piece of information that CodeMonkey released could be a good step in that process if we didn't already know about the information. Code Monkey Z releases it, and now we can pour over it. We can find out more information. We can debate it and argue about it. Rather than allowing that to be used as a weapon of the mainstream media. And so to me, it makes a lot of sense for him to release this kind of stuff. And it's a good reminder that what's important here is for us to be using our own discernment. 
Okay. We don't need things to be black and white. We don't need to put certain people on pedestals and believe that everything is a hundred percent on our side and then expect them to do exactly what we want all the time. All right. We cannot and should not expect perfection and spotless pasts from everyone. It's kind of like when they tried to claim that Lynn Wood was suspect because he used to vote or used to support certain Democratic candidates like Barack Obama. I think that may be the only one he supported. But Lynn Wood comes out and talks about that. And then it's up to you to decide whether or not you trust his explanation. I do. Why? Because I used to support Democrats. I was wrong. But if I didn't come out and talk about that stuff and then someone else said it to discredit me, well, that would make a lot of sense to people because it would seem like I was hiding this whole part, like I was misrepresenting myself. So it's good that we actually know about these weak spots. And then when you're talking about someone like Michael Flynn, there are even more potential reasons behind this. And to the extent that we trust Michael Flynn, and I trust him completely, we can surmise that these prior relationships may help inform him and give him more tools to help our side. But what I'm really trying to get at here is that it's not better to make things about team affiliation or tribal affiliation when it comes to these characters. All right. We don't need to put them on pedestals. We don't need to pretend that when bad information about them or seemingly bad information about them comes out that our idols are being attacked. Okay, that's not the right way to respond to it. We can respond to it with patience and curiosity. And we dig for information and we debate it. And then we make our own decisions. That's what discernment is. Okay, discernment has to be a constant and ongoing process about all of this. When we stop discerning because we think this or that narrative or this or that person are just set in stone. That's how we get into problems. That's how we're able to be influenced by mainstream media, for instance, because that's exactly what they do. How many people who voted for Joe Biden can watch a video of him touching and sniffing children and still think that it's totally fine because he's on their side? There must be some reasonable explanation for it, right? That's exactly what they think. Oh, you just doctored that video. It's not that. We, maybe he just, you know, he's just that kind of guy. And they don't even really have a way to say it to explain why they don't care. But what they're reflecting is the tribal affiliation and the team affiliation. They're literally going to protect Joe Biden no matter how much bad behavior they're shown because that pull to protect the team is so strong. We shouldn't be in that position. It doesn't matter if it's Michael Flynn or Donald Trump or anyone else. We can be discerning all the time and understand 
who's on our side and who's not. But when we demand that they have to fit our picture 100% of the time, then all we're doing is the same thing that all the zombie communists are doing. And we should always be sure not to put ourselves in that position. If this whole experience has taught us nothing, it should have taught us that. It's our responsibility at all times to do the moral thinking and the intellectual thinking. Understand the information and make our own moral judgments about it. That's our task. It cannot be delegated to anyone else ever. And we make mistakes. So pretending that our leaders can never make mistakes is also itself a mistake. And I want to quickly hit one last thing before I go. This is from yesterday in the Federalist. Jordan Davidson, DOJ's 50-year gag proposal for grand jury material would hide Mueller records until 2069. The U.S. Department of Justice is considering imposing a 50-year secrecy rule on the release of material from federal grand juries, the Washington Post reported on Tuesday. The proposal, first recommended while Donald Trump was president, came from senior Justice Department lawyer Jonathan Robluski in a memo to New York State Appellate Judge Michael Garcia, also a member of the advisory committee of criminal rules. We believe an amendment to rule six E would be appropriate to authorize the release of grand jury records of quote, exceptional historical significance in certain circumstances after 50 years. Robluski wrote in a letter to the rules committee. We now think 30 years is too short. Grand jury secrecy should be preserved except in the most extraordinary cases of historical value. Now the Biden administration is moving forward with the rule proposal, despite concerns that this extended period of secrecy would damage the legal system. While Washington Post reports that a DOJ spokesman said, quote, the legal fight over the Mueller grand jury had no impact on the department's desire to amend the rules, end quote. The proposed change could prevent the release of special counsel Robert Mueller grand jury information. Just last year, the Supreme Court granted the DOJ's wishes by blocking House Democrats' efforts to obtain the Mueller material after the Democrats waged another failed impeachment attack against Trump. The issue, quote, was declared moot, end quote. The DOJ has maintained support for the release of archival grand jury materials of great historical significance after several decades have passed and no living person or ongoing investigation will be prejudiced or harmed. Spokesman Joshua Stuve said, promising greater openness, not less, while still protecting the innocent. He also noted that certain courts, quote, have ruled that judges cannot release historically important grand jury material because there is no explicit authorization for such release in the rules, end quote. Another proposed rule concerning federal grand juries suggests allowing prosecutors to obtain 90 day, maybe longer gag orders for witnesses to protect ongoing investigations. Now, that sounds like a load of steaming horseshit. The idea that these Mueller records are going to be covered up for 50 years is crazy. That makes it so that the truth about this critically important event will largely not be known for a very long time, to the point where People don't really care about it anymore. 
I mean, we're supposed to have all the declassified JFK files by now. But when it doesn't happen because it was so long ago, most of us just throw up our hands and say, ah, well, yeah, I guess we'll never know. But it's not kind of directly important right now. So whatever. But it is directly important right now. The JFK assassination was a seminal event in all of this. If we knew everything that is known about what happened to JFK, we would be able to understand what's happening now so much better. So I hope this doesn't go through. And you know what? Truth is, it may not matter. Because hopefully there is a Durham report coming very soon. And actually, there's one more thing I want to touch on before I go. There is this new account on Telegram called McAfee Afterlife, right? And it's referring to John McAfee. And obviously, there was speculation ever since it was announced that he committed suicide in prison, that he actually did not commit suicide, and that somehow he was exfiltrated or whatever. This channel, if it's real, obviously, we have no idea whether or not it is and no current way to know that but this channel claims to be john mcafee and right now he is engaged in this countdown on a website called britbonglog.com if i'm getting that right and people believe that he might be releasing this might be the dead man switch that was alluded to the dollar sign whacked NFT that we have heard about that has something like 31 or 34 terabytes of data about the deep state. And that's supposed to be coming out at midnight Pacific. Now, again, who knows? Okay. I cannot possibly try to make that any clearer. We do not know what this is. We do not know if it will happen, and we sure don't know if this is actually John McAfee. But the posts that are popping up in this Telegram account are really, really interesting. So I'm going to have my eyes open, and you should too. And maybe we'll know by tomorrow. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting, or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please 
follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'm Your Moderator.substack.com, where you can donate, or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!